to the She Speak HR podcast. So today you've got me, Amy Leach, um, and I'm joined by two very special guests. We've got Sean Hoare and Matt Rag. So if I just introduce Sean first to you. So Sean's a principal associate here at She Smiths and is based in our Solent employment team. Um, she's got a huge amount of experience in employment and corporate immigration matters. And we're really, really pleased to have her with us today on this episode. So welcome, Sean. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for inviting me. (laughs) No worries. Um, And then we've got Matt as well. So Matt's the uh, Chief Customer Officer at at Gattaca. So Gattaca work with uh, talent around the world um, and help clients bring talent into the UK. So he's got vast experience working with uh, engineering and tech businesses um, in particular to help tackle their STEM workforce challenges. So welcome, Matt, as well. It's nice to have you with us. Um, Are you okay? Yeah, thank you very much, Amy. Love that intro. I'll take that one. Thank you. (laughs) That's all right. So before we get down uh, to the core discussion of this episode, I've got a question for you both, which is a question we ask all of our guests uh, to answer when first appearing on the podcast. So the question is, uh, what is your favourite podcast or podcast? Um, so, Sean, if I come to you first, have you have you got one in mind? Uh, I would um, favour the global mobility one that Emma um, did more recently with the immigration um, side of ship. Nice, nice. Now, that was a good episode. Um, and then, Matt, um, to ask you the same sort of question as Sean, have you got a favourite favorite podcast? Um, it doesn't have to be this one if you have a different one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that uh, I won't go too biased on that. Um, uh, I think anyone who knows me knows that I was... Uh, I've been massively banging the drum of the high performance podcasts um, mm. for the whole of last year. They, they were a real godsend to me in some uh, challenging times during COVID. So if you've not heard those, but my actual favorite one of all time is uh, one of the Steve Bartlett, Diary the CEO ones, which he yes. did for yeah. Mo Gaudat, uh, who I, I hadn't heard of Mo before that, but that was a bit of a life changing moment for me listening mm. to that. So I would recommend anyone to uh, go and hear that what was frankly a really beautiful conversation so uh, that, that's definitely my number one yeah no that's great and I, I'm a bit of a fan of that one as well actually by Stephen so yeah no good choice so I guess today just to kind of introduce the the core theme for our discussion so we're going to focus on recruiting skills for the future um, I suppose of an inside and outside the UK perspective so this episode's part of our kind of wider Future of Work series this year. Um, and it also follows a recent webinar in which Sean and Matt spoke on, um, which was about recruitment and retention. And I actually think this webinar is now live on our website, um, the recording. So if you've missed it, you can de- go and check it out um, and let us know if you've got any comments or questions. So as we know, recruitment is a very hot topic at the moment, um, given recent trends. And there's lots of kind of things floating around, such as um, the phrase of the great resignation, where employers are experiencing many of their workforce resign um, and leave over the past 12 months or so, uh, potentially in response to the pandemic. There's also things like global mobility still high on the agenda, um, with workforces being more agile than before. And I think one of the biggest observations from my perspective perspective is this shift of balance between employers and employees and that employees now have higher expectations as to what they want from their employer and I think this includes things like flexibility and working and that's become a bit of a mandatory thing for employees now that they expect that and employers have to I suppose balance the need to manage those expectations but also balance the need to retain their talent which is not necessarily as easy as it sounds. 
Um, so I suppose coming to you first, Sean, um, sort of some of these trends and issues that are happening at the moment for employers, um, I suppose, what, why do you think that is and, and what could be sort of the underlying um, causes of those? Thanks, Amy. Um, the cause of the staff shortages that we're seeing at the moment, um, and most of our clients will be saying exactly the same thing, and what's, yeah, not unique, I guess, is that it's across every single sector at the moment, but for different reasons. And it just seems lots of things have come together all at the same time um, that has caused this. And there is obviously the pandemic um, that's contributed massively to this, um, but it's affected different sectors in different ways. So I, I was looking the other day at, you know, some businesses have seen huge growth and success during the pandemic, so increased work. So that has increased um, the demand, but we just don't have that supply of talent. Other industries, um, we've seen a lot of employees leaving that workspace um, because of demanding workloads, dissatisfaction, challenging working conditions. Um, I, I mentioned previously that, you know, that was due to, uh, we've seen a lot of that in the care sector, NHS, just under-resourced and overworked and people leaving those um, professions. Um, but equally, um, I think a lot of people had been quite static, hadn't they? And very cautious about recruitment for a very long time. And with the economy bouncing back, um, we need staff and we just don't have them in place at the moment. And so that's also caused the recruitment drive. So the pandemic has affected different industries in different ways. Um, but other causes that we've um, definitely seen, um, there's the Brexit effect. Um, we previously relied heavily on EU workers in many different industries, and we don't have that supply of workers anymore. So that has definitely had an impact. IR35, um, we've seen that um, come in in, I think it was April 2020 now. Mm -hmm. Um, but also, uh, yeah, we've seen a lot of people move um, from self-employed to employed or just into a different career that they can get a higher earning potential from. Um, I think the ageing workforce one's really interesting because, um, yes, part of the pandemic, a lot of people that were near retirement decided that they weren't going to, you know, um, continue and they might have ordinarily worked longer. But we just don't necessarily have the succession planning within some industries, drivers in particular, where we don't have that younger work recruits coming in. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely the case that there are different reasons for different industries and it might be much broader than that to, you know, poor, poor line management, um, lots of different things um, causing it. And it is really important to look, you know, at your business and what the cause is individually um, to it to be able to kind of try and address the problem longer term. Hopefully that kind of picks up on the causes. What we have seen is a lot of businesses um, in recent times inflating salaries and benefits mm. um, and just noting how that's not sustainable at all. Um, and so, yeah, Matt, I think you can provide uh, insight into what businesses should be challenging themselves on to attract um, talent in this um, tricky period. Yeah, I hope I, uh, I hope so, Sean. I hope so. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think really businesses probably need to challenge themselves on every single different level because uh, there isn't some silver bullet. Uh, I think often in the world of certainly in staff attraction, um, the the money is the bit that always gets the headlines, and there's there's plenty of headlines out there at the moment talking about 
salary increases across pretty much every single skill set in every single sector. Uh, we've certainly seen in uh, many of the tech markets between sort of 30 and 50% salary increases within a sort of six to 12 month period as companies look to reset and secure probably the talent they've got, let alone attract future. So money gets the headlines, but uh, certainly we have a, as a business have really noticed over the last sort of 18 months, uh, uh, an expedition of the um, interest from candidates in the real business. Um, I think it's always been there. Um, I've probably been talking for 20 years to companies about if you want to get the best people, it's about giving a great customer experience along the whole journey. And I've seen candidates take offers 20, 30% lower than other offers we've managed to get them because they really want to work with that company. So I think it's for all businesses to challenge themselves as to what is it about you that really make someone want to work for you or come and join you and understanding that. Certainly we're seeing purpose, culture, we're going far higher on a candidate's request. Uh, I have a bugbear in our market of uh, a lot of our industry talking about a job in an area at a price doing a function, for which for me, that's that's the hygiene factor stuff. But we're, I'm really pleased to see that candidates are showing a real interest of, around, well, how will they make their mark? How are those? How do those companies behave during COVID? Uh, what is the culture really like? What is the social impact that uh, the company is trying to uh, achieve? Who are the most inspiring characters uh, at those companies? What what makes it a winning team? All these little things which are far more emotional, uh, far less transactional, uh, and for me that's really exciting because ultimately people work with people and. I'm sure if anyone listens to this podcast, thinks about the colleagues they, they work with and what it's like to, to be working, I bet the first thing they don't think about is what do they take home each month? I'm sure it's far more about who do I get to spar with, be engaged with, um, be challenged by, what projects, what development, what uh, prestige do I get from it, rather than what's my, my, my take-home pay. Uh, so I think there's a real opportunity at the moment to um make sure companies have got their they understand themselves properly um that they're getting their narrative sorted um they know what their good bits are and really honestly they know what their bad bits are and why and what they're doing about them every company's got challenges it's not authentic to say that any organization is perfect but understanding where the the uh, improvement parts are and being vocal about that is far more positive and we, and we are seeing people want to work with those sorts of companies i think there's a real social shift isn't there over the last couple of years many of us have gone from uh the company we work for whether it's their building it's their equipment it's their coffee uh, i get to both be challenged and vent with the people i'm in the office and i've got my social environment there to working from home where suddenly it's my building and my chair and my computer and my family that I'm um, having fun of venting with and I'm doing more of a fun functional task. So I think there's been a bit of a shift around that stickiness of an organization. Um, I think and the best companies are, are currently working out that blend of uh, mm. how, how do you get both of those worlds and, and combine them uh, harmoniously to have a really nice lifestyle as well as do some really exciting things within your career. Yeah, no, that's some um, some great kind of insight there, Matt, actually. And it's quite it's quite nice to get your perspective. Because obviously Sean and I being 
um, I suppose lawyers give can kind of give a legal perspective and commercial perspective stemming from that but it's really nice to hear from somebody actually in the industry and sort of experiencing and feeling those things from um, I suppose candidates and and customers of yours um, day to day um, and I think culture as you say it's such an important thing now to employees and it can probably make or break an employer especially in this current um climate because it's so high on the agenda and whilst yes people care about what they're going to get paid and what their hours might be like and things like that but as you said that's kind of in the the background now it's kind of a given where actually culture is something that employers really need to focus on and take a good look at themselves and make sure that they're happy with the um, I suppose experience that they're giving to their employees um, and I think that probably kind of moves us on a little bit to from recruitment to retention and sort of what we can do to retain great talent um, as an employer and I think um, again reiterating a key point for employers is to invest in their people and keep adapting constantly to, to new challenges that might be thrown their way because I think at the end of the day employees are people like me um, both of you um, and we just want to feel looked after and valued by our employer um, for the work that we're doing for them and I think that employers uh, should just treat the importance of employee experience and I think you use this word Matt in terms of customer experience so treat it in the same way as they would treat a customer um, not to say that the employee is always right necessarily the same with potentially customers but employers should value what their employees have to say um, and if an employee is a happy customer I say in a inverted comment as such um, the employee is going to likely shout about that to their contacts to their friends to their family and that actually could result in more great hires down the line for the employer because of that impact the employer had on the employee the positive impact um, and I suppose as I mentioned kind of earlier at the start of this episode so this kind of fits into our um, kind of future of work series and what we're looking at over the course of this year um, sort of those key hot um, topics that I suppose employers need to be thinking about for the next 12 months and so on um, and I think just just to go back to you Sean um, do, you, do you want to kind of highlight I suppose the future of work aspects of our discussion today and and what employers should consider in this new age of recruitment and retention? Sure um, but yeah just reinforcing what you said Amy I can't agree more in terms of valuing our employees mm. and how we get that loyalty and I really believe it's so much down to management um, who are inspiring, supportive, fair, honest, true to the individuals, do what they say they're going to do. Being in the roles that we are, that's quite often where the problems arise, doesn't it? And yeah, um, absolutely. as people say, people don't leave their job. It's quite often bad bosses um, as well that drive it. So I think that's hugely important. But looking at the future of work, um, yeah, kind of going along the similar trend. It's, you know, talking to your employees that is really, really important. Good communication. Understand from them directly what do they want and trying to scope from that. But I think what we're hearing a lot is that, you know, a fl flexible work model um, is definitely catering for different employees' lifestyles and tends to be the preference at the moment. So how do we get that great flexible working model that hybrid scenario um, that isn't just for you know mothers anymore it's for everyone essentially um, and it is going to be really important about setting clear parameters on what's expected to avoid disputes in the future um, you know when are you going to meet in the office um, how are you going to work those hours but most importantly is a 
outputs and um, objectives and making sure that they're clear and defined. Um, so we've talked about management and management is always going to be really, really important, um, building that trust, but making sure managers are having regular check-ins, um, making sure people are on track so that there aren't any later surprises when, you know, you potentially do have performance issues. Hopefully we nip them in the bud an early stage. You know, it's really important to look after our junior colleagues and making sure that they have that supervision and training and looking at different ways that you do it, you know, potentially remotely as well, whether they join a conference call with you. Technology can make our lives super, super easy, but they can also, um, when it all goes wrong, (laughs) be very disruptive. So let's make sure we've got that technology in place. Um, We have those tools. Um, So there needs to be a lot of investment in that side. But also, you know, technology is a wonderful thing. It can do lots of other things as well. And um, just making sure that you can use it to, you know, track, monitor availability of colleagues um, as well. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot that can be done at the moment in terms of future of work um which will um, assist in the retention piece that's great and yeah absolutely agree and I think technology I was sort of chuckling to myself a little bit because it's um it's a funny one it obviously um we rely on it so much now and as most employers do and and when it does go wrong it it can go wrong terribly (laughs) um so it is it is important that that is actually still high on on the agenda even in this sort of day and age but um yeah I suppose Matt just to kind of come back to you before we sort of finish off today um do you have kind of any further thoughts on on the retention piece your side um yeah um lots i suppose but i'll try and keep it brief but um <laughs> okay. uh, I, I was um i think for me one, one of the first bits is is people do leave uh and there's yeah. been a lot of people that have stayed during some tough times um uh who um need to freshen up and and so one of the bits of advice we're, we're uh, uh, making uh, to our clients is in the STEM world in particular, normal attrition rates are somewhere between kind of five and 10%. Currently they're between about 16 and 22, which is a massive increase in uh, attrition rates. And um, yes, all of these uh, aspects of pay and care and communication will improve it. But the reality is society's probably shifted a little bit more. So we're, we're kind of just encouraging our clients of just look at your operating model, which wasn't set up to cope with more than 10, but you need to be looking at how do you make it cope with more? Because the reality is there probably is going to be more movement uh, on permanent jobs than there used to be. I think the average was was under two years anyway, pre-COVID, let alone what it would be after. So there is going to be movement and we've got to accept that. I think the um, the, the other bit, I've, I've encouraged companies to really talk about their COVID story and talk about who are they and how did they behave um mm. but i think we're past that now um and certainly as a candidate i think people are past it um i think there's um i've watched uh, the morning show for the first time the other day on uh, apple tv uh, and they they had a couple of episodes which were right as um covid hit and it was quite an emotional memory for me to remember oh god yeah that was a really unknown territory kind of world uh, and every leader and every business did the best they could in that moment of time to support all of their staff and their businesses through that. And every employee was very, very understanding of that. But a lot of time has now passed and there were people who were furloughed and there were people who had pay cuts and there were people who had career progression um, uh, was stalled. 
Uh, and what we're seeing more so in the candidate market is they're the memories that those people are holding on to now, not the business had to do, the, it did the best it could do in the time, but actually, yeah, I'm not quite where I wanted to be when I was thinking about where I was going to be three years ago. Uh, and I think companies need to realise that and kind of change their narrative around what is the now and what's the future, not what did, how did they treat people 18 months or so ago. Um, I think the best companies are doing that uh in a very very authentic in, and engaging way um uh, i think communication between companies and, and employees massively increased during covid i've certainly seen uh in client bases that that seems to have slowed down uh, and at a level of bau but i would encourage people to keep that momentum up uh, and i think they're also doing it on lots of different media um, I don't know what Shoe Smith's uh, open rate is. I certainly know what Gattaca's is, but uh, and I know what some of our clients are. But a formal internal communication email is going to get read by some of your staff. It's not the only way to engage. So people need to be thinking about where are they out uh, on social media, even if it's speaking to their own employees. They're doing it on social media as well as their internal channels, as well as the physical. Uh, presence and visibility. So I think the ones who are really talking about where the business is going and talking about why the business exists, we're seeing have more success. Um, we've also seen a huge um, change in our operating model, um, uh, certainly on the permanent recruitment, typically as an industry in STEM talent. Um, when you're pulling someone into a job, obviously, by nature of a recruitment agency, a lot of our payment comes from successfully helping someone to um, get a position. We've seen a really big increase in the numbers of times clients are getting to the point of saying, yes, we'd love you to come and work for us, and the candidate saying no. Uh, and a lot of that is coming from their own employers working really hard at the 11th hour to retain. Uh, that, that's gone from kind of single-digit percentages to quite big double-digit percentages. Now, the, the lesson there is actually the candidates are going to market to look because there is so much noise around demand and opportunity and pay rises. But a lot of companies aren't always being as proactive to uh, create interventions to stop them going out to market. Uh, and, and they're actually getting into that really honest conversation right at that 11th hour rather than earlier on in the process. So uh, they're still having to have those conversations and a lot of them are still taking the actions, but, it, but it's a bit reactive and it's always going to have that taste of being reactive. Um, so I just encourage companies to be more considered, I suppose, as to what is happening in the, in the market and be very aware that um, nearly every skill set is in far more uh, demand than it is supply at the moment um, and uh, see that as a opportunity to engage your staff and a wider community uh, to build really great talent in your organization as well as keep uh, all the great talent you've got. So it's not an easy thing. It's not silver bullet stuff, but um, communication, authenticity and proactivity would, would be the sum of it, I suppose. No, that's great. Um, and yeah, I know some great insights again from from you, Matt, there. Um, so I think that probably kind of brings brings today's episode um, to a nice close. So thank thank you both, Sean and Matt, for joining. And I hope you've um, enjoyed sort of speaking today. We normally invite our listeners, if they've got any comments or questions, they can email us at shoespeakhr at shoesmith.co.uk. Um, and we can obviously, if there's any specific questions, I assume you're both happy for us to kind of pass them on and, and um also, if our listeners want to reach out to you, maybe via LinkedIn and stuff, is that okay? 
of course absolutely yeah absolutely perfect no that's great well thanks both and then yeah thanks to our listeners as normal um and we'll be back next time with another episode of she speak hr so take care thanks matt thanks sean thank you thank you